Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today to put the she in. So, okay. <clears throat> I was wondering if you were ready. Sometimes I just look at you I and know. I wait. And I'm like, is this one she's doing on the fly? Because sometimes is this... I do. Well, <laughs> and then there's a very obvious word I know that of. I think you could have tried to fit it in. Oh, to. what was my obvious word? Well, we'll get to it in a second. Okay. It's I chose the obvious word. Go ahead. <laughs> it's the obvious. Now I can't say. I it. know what it is. What now. is it? I think I know. It's provocation. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Okay. I had a different provocation. <laughs> she shun. Pro- provoker. Provo- oh, the her and provoker. Is provoker a word? Ooh. Provoker. Yeah, Provoke. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought a it was going to be provoker. right. Yeah, a yeah. provoker. provoker. No, that's a total word. Testing. <laughs> well, hello. My name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host Joy, and we also have our friends joining us today. What's up? Um, I didn't ask how I should introduce you. What do you call yourself on the show? Desi. 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 Okay, I don't know if you're like, you know, you went with like the full name, or I'm do you like, guys remember when Jerry was trying to do Jeremiah? Desi. He, he does do that. No, he doesn't. Oh, yeah, on Cultish, she's Jeremiah. Stop. Oh yeah. Okay, we are here. We have. We'll always know Jerry. We have one more beautiful co-host and then a mountain man co-host. Thank you. So I wasn't going to call you beautiful. That'd be weird. That would be weird. That that is not okay. So we're joined by our friends, Desi and Zach. Welcome. Hey, Mm -hmm. how's it going? Thank you. Good. So you guys started a podcast recently. Yeah. That's exciting. Yep. And I think you guys, I already have listeners. I actually have questions for you from our listeners. Awesome. So how's Sweet. that? That's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty amazing. I really thought you were going to say we are going to put the she in evangelism. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't put it past me. Um, that sounds like her. I've done worse. <laughs> yeah, I love them. Yeah. To be completely honest, <laughs> yep. it's definitely been worse. So we definitely had different options. Um, if you guys wanted us to go with something differently, I'm sorry. I really thought mine was the really obvious one. But anyway. Well, I thought provoked was the obvious one but i was like it doesn't you can't fit in there. put it yeah all. so i was just trying to play on provoked Did, except for i don't want to say you can't fit it in there because i think we could i feel like i could later <laughs> <laughs> okay we'll do it later um i did i introduce you you did okay great cool Everybody, i'm here too yeah <laughs> <laughs> joy's here i have nothing else to tell you guys leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475 uh, see you around in book club. Follow us on Facebook, and we're going to tell you about the store this week. That's mm-hmm. the most I'm allowed to say. Or yeah. the guy doing our marketing is going to come over that fence and <laughs> snipe you. S- get you. Just get me. Yep. Just bang with the microphone. He just pushes a button. <laughs> just <and it's> done. <laughs> I've been dispatched. <laughs> um, so keep up with that there. So hey, I don't even want to waste any time. Should we start with our fun question? you want to end with it we're gonna end with it okay cool well hey. unless it just comes up like unless there's a tangent but i doubt it no i doubt I, it no that's not gonna happen <laughs> that's not gonna happen that's a that's a dare though so anyway okay. we'll see so okay <laughs> here's the deal um i listened to your guys's podcast and um i have been podcasting joy's been podcasting the longest i've been podcasting longer than you but I listened and I was like, this is amazing and I need more of this. So my hope today is that we get our listeners to listen to your show. Um, but I also think that you guys are talking about something that a lot of us are really bad at, even though we're commanded to do it. Mm. Um, and so it's encouraging to me that this is something important enough for you guys to be talking about and to be practicing and leading people in. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's also something I have never been uncomfortable with. 
And so I feel like I'm bad at talking about it. Oh. Like, I feel like I, I, am, I am not good at talking about this topic because uh, I've never, I was never like, I've never been new to it. Like, it's just something that um, because I'm a weirdo and I was raised so weird, like, we've never not done that. Yeah, we've right. never exactly. not been out there. That's a, that's that's the a blessing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it, but it's yeah. weird. And so I feel like that cripples me from talking about it well mm -hmm. um, because I'm just like, what do you like? What do you mean? Yeah, it's like, like second nature. It's just something you. I've always yeah. done. Um, wow. And so I don't. I don't know how to talk about it very well. So I hope what I an hope incredible our... testimony for you to your parents. Right. To, your to my parents. Yeah, yeah. Right. definitely. Yeah. I was it's... just going to say that. I'm like, I hope God willing one day our, my kids will be saying the same thing of like, you know, we just grew right. up. That's what we did as Christians, right. you know. Well, and there's um, I will say that is a, a great testimony to them. But there's also a danger in it that I try to tell Christian parents about, which is that um, you can become very numb yeah. To mm -hmm. the blessing that it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so one of the things I have to be particularly careful about is that I can be too aloof, I think, um, with that. Or I can just, I forget. I, and that's what I'm saying. That's what um, I think I've been crippled is that I have a hard time talking to people who've never evangelized. Because to me, um, it's one of my most favorite memories of growing up is going out and is being outside the Mormon temple. Right. Right. Mm. And so that's like, it's like the Mormon temple and Christmas were like the highlights of my year as a six year old, like, you that's know, so cool. and so, but what that can do is, um, it can make us forget how important it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think you guys taking the charge and wanting to talk to people about it is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just the fact that, uh, we're all just normal people. Like you don't have to be James White to go talk to Mormons. Yeah, right. I think yeah. is a really important thing. So anyway, I'm just gonna ask you guys the big question. I think anybody coming to a podcast about evangelism, the question is, why did you call it what you called it? Mm -hmm. You want to go ahead? Yeah, I can go. You remember? Do you remember why? No, yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> So, hey, this is your brand. You cannot forget. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so funny. It seems like you get wrapped up in your passion so much. And it's like, oh, my gosh, how do I consolidate or how do I say this in a concise way when it's just you think about it constantly. And like you said, we're just yeah. all about doing it. Um, but in Acts chapter 17, verse 16, it says when Paul saw he was in Athens and he said all the city filled with idols, he was provoked in his spirit. So it was a provocation of the spirit of God. That we, yeah. So he saw. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think that's the right word. Yeah, that's right. Maybe it is. Yeah. So it was a provoking of the spirit. He's saying, look at all these idols. Look at all these people going after these. Let's look at this destruction of life. What am I going to do about it? And so he immediately went about reasoning with the people. And what he did is he confronted that culture of idolatry with the gospel. And so the word provoked in that, and I'm not going to act like I know Greek like your papa, <laughs> but it's just like... I try not to do that too. <laughs> yeah. So he was provoked by the Spirit. And so I think what the Spirit of God does in us is it, he, he provokes us to action. So it's a stirring up of ourselves to do what we have to do in an uncomfortable situation because it's not comfortable to confront, right? Something that we as Christians don't do. It's, it's wonderful when our parents model that for us like your model like your dad model for you and your mom and then we're trying to model model for our kids but mostly that's not modeled in the greater man you know american evangelical church with with yeah. exceptions so just in a nutshell it's we're trying to provoke the church incite the church even anger you know not in a like um, not in a destructive way yeah not in a selfish way or self-righteous or prideful way but to stir the church up to action because the church is the hope of the world. And we have to be about actively obeying Jesus's commands to evangelize. And like Paul said, and this is a whole other segment of it, tearing down idolatrous ideologies. And you know, we're not in our culture, we don't have people bound down to statues and stuff like that. So I think the idolatry is seeing in ideological systems that cripple and enslave people. Mm -hmm. And we gotta be about tearing down. So it's about provoking to just biblically evangelize from a couple of ordinary people so people could hopefully relate to that and we could say, hey, this is where we've made mistakes, let us help you. And then let's just be about demolishing any type of system of thought. And like Paul says, any philosophy 
that goes up against the knowledge of Christ. Yeah. So. Right. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I yeah. don't know what else to say. She agrees with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think you encapsulated it well. Like, yeah. I, I think, you know, we don't want to, and I think there's a problem with paradigm or uh, parachurch ministries that are not necessarily under the authority of biblical elders disconnected Boom. from the local church, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. They're very independent. And I think what they can do is draw resources from the local church and draw people from out, outside of uh, the covering of their pastors. So I think there is a problem with the parachurch ministry and that we don't want to be seen as that. Um, we want to be seen as people under our, our right. the authority of our elders right. and then submitted to that authority and then coming alongside of pastors and saying, how could we just supplement what you're already doing, right. not trying to take the place of an elder in his role to of equip course. his people. That's well, and this is said by an actual pastor. Right. Yeah. You so are I hope an elder. that makes it more meaningful to whoever's listening to this. Exactly. That you're you're not looking to even go outside of the church that you're an elder at mm-hmm. and like pastor other another flock. Exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. Because that's been the problem. Um, and I think in a lot of well-intentioned evangelistic ministries is, um, you know, people go to the source and then they go back to their pastor and then they're kind of a bull in a china shop. And yeah. why aren't you doing this? And I, right. you know, there's nothing wrong with questioning your pastor or holding your pastor accountable. Actually, we were just dealing with this at church yesterday, mm-hmm. which we're, we're fine. But I think there is an issue when you have a ministry or, or some type of, um, you know, whatever it may be, people group that are trying to supplant mm-hmm. uh, local body yeah. eldership. Right. And I know I don't want to get into the weeds in that. But I just want to let, you know, we just want to come alongside of the, our brothers and sisters do our best to serve them. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is a whole, um, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the topic That's of topic, parachurch yeah. ministries and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, to your point, if you don't have pastors that are busy leading their church, this is what's going to happen. Right. Christians are going yeah. to look for ways to serve. And if the pastors aren't leading in that, then they're going to go somewhere, not necessarily leave the church, but they're going to find a way to serve that might not be ideal because it is outside the church. Right. That's but if exactly the pastors right. aren't leading in that, then what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Right. And that is so difficult, especially for us at Apologia. I mean, we are not the standard. We do our best to teach and to equip and, you know, we, 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 try, to, we try to help in that capacity. But what we find within our own body is people will go to their church in the morning and then come to ours at night. Yeah, oh, because primarily we meet in the afternoon. Also, yeah, that as well, but they have no nobody training them mm. how to get out into the marketplace, right. how to get out into the field. So, it's just kind of sticky because a pastor, you don't want to go outside of your jurisdiction of spiritual uh, oversight into yeah. some other guys jurisdiction. And so it's kind of tricky for us because we have those same people who belong to a church body coming to us to lead them and evangelize and then trying to work out the dynamics of that relationship is rough when yeah, really I, I think what needs to happen and what we are working to is to train pastors to train their people in for their people to see their own pastors on the front lines leading the way right. rather than get training via another church yeah. right weren't we yeah. just talking about how um we're so glad we don't have to be pastors because that's really hard yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's really hard we, re- we literally just were we talking literally about were like, it when oh, we were man, i'm so glad i don't have to be a pastor <laughs> like that Amen. sounds really hard <laughs> yeah, I mean, just think of all i was thinking about this a little bit think of all the stress of it and it is and then pregnancy on top of that oh yeah and you yeah. have to lead your people no, there's dealing no with way. that difficulty of there's no way no. Yeah. So I think God's smart here. in his design there. Yeah, no right. kidding. I'm actually glad we started talking about the basis of this is the church. And effective evangelism happens through the church. Mm-hmm. And right. so it's not just like we and you guys obviously would not encourage anybody to just like not be sent to go do this kind of evangelism. Like this needs to be something that you're doing in conjunction with your church. Yeah, you know, there your is elders no, like, know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's not like your elder sees you, you know, on the 10 o'clock news like, oh, this guy got in trouble outside of a clinic. And yeah. you're like your pastor's like, what? Like, you know, they should know. Yeah. Absolutely. But your pastors should be out there, too. Anyway. So um, I have other <laughs> questions. <laughs> Do you have I have another question for you guys? Maybe does you can help me with this one. OK, you can go ahead. This is from uh, one of our listeners. They were asking if you guys had insight on when it's appropriate to be more of a lion 
more hmm. in your face, uh. maybe more blunt. Um, and other times when it might be more important to be more of the lamb <laughs> in evangelism, like what, uh, where do you, how do you determine something like that? What helps you figure out, okay, this is the moment I'm going to be a little bit more intense, or this is the moment I'm going to be a little bit more gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just say like, just looking at scripture, you know, God tells us that he gives grace to the humble but is wait what's that verse i just yeah, lost he, it he resists the proud resists the proud the yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> it's nice having a pastor right next to you um <laughs> and so it's like when somebody comes up to you and they're very proud um that right. doesn't mean that we're always just right back at them but you know you just use discernment in that moment and ask god you know to help you give you the right words but there are times to be more firm and more bold and more lion-like and then there's yeah. times to be you know meek and gentle um, and I think it's the marrying of both because that's what Jesus did. He he came in with grace and truth. And so we don't want to um, ever negate either one. Um, so I think the main thing is just being in scripture constantly, uh, being filled with uh, the spirit of God, the word of God, and let him lead you and know that you're going to mess up sometimes. And, and some, you know, we've both done it where we were too bold or two yeah, <laughs> we're all gonna mess up at some point yeah right? totally. we're well, sinners yeah. we're not perfect right yeah. or there's times where i was maybe meek to a default where i could have been a little bit more forthright but knowing yeah. that god uses that even because it's it's the power of um, the gospel is the power of salvation not like our performance, uh, performance. Yeah. thank god because nobody would get saved right. if it was up to that right so would you add anything to that? No, I was going to say that. I think Ray Comfort says it well. He says, law to the proud, grace to the humble. Mm. So it's the work of the law to be a tutor, right? And so, for example, if you're out in front of the mill, you're saying, hey, you're, if you go through this, you will be a murderer. And that is a, you know, that's a tough thing to tell somebody, especially to say, hey, look, this is how God is going to see you. This is going to be the compounded detrimental ramifications that come up, come upon you as a murderer. But I think it's it's that it's if a guy's really hard hearted towards me, it is, you know, I'm going to stand in front of him and I'm going to say, this is where you're going. You know, you're going to be your destination is hell. God sees you as a coward. This is murder. And then as hopefully and it doesn't happen a lot out there just because of the nature of the the situation, right. just the, the volatility of it and the emotions are on high most of the time. Mm-hmm. But if there's a breaking of the heart, then you would see the grace coming in and the softness. But I really think as a man, a man should be motivated by another man being very direct and look him in the eye and say, this is what you need to hear. So when we do use these terms out there, and we do have this kind of lion-like mm-hmm. um, posture or the way that we go about communicating. It's to, it's to jar them. You know, it's to help them come to their senses. It's to say, mm-hmm. look at, you, you know, this, these are biblical terms and you don't want, you want to hear them from me because you don't want to hear them from God on the day you stand before him. And you have to give an account. So it is. It's a balance. And like Des said, because of the nature of the abortion clinic, it's just such a horrible gates of hell, wicked place that you can palpably feel. And yeah. it does cost you. It has it, it wears on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, if you don't if you're not balanced in it, which I wasn't initially, you can let it overcome you. Like the scriptures say, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And you in you, you do that. You know that you're in the wrong place when you start re- re- responding in kind. I'm not responding, you know, with a controlled spirit response. It's just a fleshly reaction. Mm. That's just one of the pitfalls you can get into at the mill and kind of tarnish your testimony. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's that m- might be a reason why people. I mean, it's ultimately it's cowardice, but I think people are like they're afraid to appear. They're afraid to get it wrong. Mm. Like they're afraid to be too. Too intense. Too lion or too meek. Right. Um, But so what does that, what does that look like for you guys? Like somewhere in the middle, like you said, like it's okay to mess up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say we should, I mean, babies are being murdered. And I like what uh, R.C. Sproul Jr. said in the first babies are murdered here. He said, there's no overreaction to abortion right you know and it, what he's saying there of course there's an overreaction like we saw back in the 90s where guys pulling out shotguns and killing an abortionist that's right absolutely forbidden in god's mm-hmm. law it's, we should never never ever do anything like that so there can, can be an overreaction to it but i think what he was alluding to is babies are being murdered you know if somebody's being right. murdered you should be stirred up 
You yeah. should be angry about it, but like the scriptures say, not sinning in your anger. Right. Mm -hmm. Like a focused anger, just this passion about it. So you're you're saying the right terminology, you're out there, but you're also in the midst of all that, trying to balance that you love them. Right. And keeping that forefront in your heart, I, you know, as much as the abortionist is guilty of murder and like, just like Dr. Ronald Eunice, for instance, you know, I looked on his um, reviews on Google and he said that for every one star um, review he gets, right. he's gonna do a free procedure at Acacia. Mm. Now a guy like that, it's, oh. hard, it's hard to love that guy, but we right. do wow. have to communicate, look at, we care about you. We love you. We want to help you. So it's the balance of that passion and that forthrightness, like Desi was saying, but also grace and mercy towards them. Yeah. You know, two people that I like always kind of admire when I'm watching them or they are just like who I kind of like aspire to to emulate in my like Christian walk of, in evangelism would be John Barrows mm -hmm. and Pastor mm -hmm. Jeff, because mm -hmm. those two, yeah, I mean, they have their moments where they're like, Oh, thug life. Like they they'll say it. They'll say oh, it. They say it. But then John Barrows will Oh, but, he'll be your your father where your father didn't right. show up. Right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's needed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But then they're both just sweethearts too and you right. see them just exude like a supernatural humility and uh self-control when somebody's in their face and so I think about those two guys a lot when like I'm out there and it gets kind of like yeah. crazy i'm like okay what would they do yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Mm -hmm. would they like lose their cool no yeah you know yeah. they would mm -hmm. speak mm -hmm. the truth in love yeah so i think prayer is a huge thing before yeah. you do evangelism absolutely i can't tell you how many times i've been praying and talking at the same time i i, I could tell you what i was praying but i couldn't tell you what i was saying mm -hmm. um type of thing when it, especially when it gets like really heavy mm -hmm. like you just got to pray that god will give you the words right. um and you can't let you know perfect be the enemy of actually doing exactly because well, that means uh, you're going out there. there for yourself right yeah, you're not going out exactly. there that's right you're not going out there to glorify yourself right. yeah right. that's excellent uh, that's exactly right and yeah. god can god has chosen to use very broken vessels to achieve his ends that's right um yeah. and so you have to remember that and when you're out there if you're not being prayerful about it i think that's a sign that you're not necessarily trusting yourself <laughs> at all. <laughs> Georgia just came around the corner upside down. <laughs> and then she throws up everywhere. <laughs> um, so what would you say a lot of Christians really push back on Christians being outside the abortion mill? A lot of Christians, a lot of Christians, right? Yeah. And I'm, now I, it's obvious. No one has to explain why, people that love abortion don't want us out there. What do you think about how, how do we answer the objection that it's unloving for us to be out there? It's unhelpful. Um, we're turning people away from the gospel. I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard it all. Mm -hmm. I've heard it all. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you just post online about abortion issues and pro-life issues, a lot of Christians will say you're turning people off from the gospel. You're making the situation worse by doing this. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. um, how do you answer those objections? I can start. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, I would just say, you know, we've let the cultural ideology of like, but like Vadi Bakum says, like the, the, the 11th commandment of being thou shalt be nice. You know, we've put tolerance and nice and we've construed what love means. We don't we no longer look at what a biblical uh, definition of love is and how God calls us to love and what that looks like. And so that's leaked into the church, unfortunately. Um, and so we just have to come combat that with God's truth, with the word of God and show them in scripture. This is what God <laughs> love is a verb. You know, it's an action. And this is how we demonstrate love. So that's what I would how I would start. Yeah, you know? it's a big, it's a big question, you know, yeah. and I think, uh, I don't know how many hundreds of Christians we've come into contact out at the mill. Um, it's basically your primary opponent is a Christian saying, Hey, look, you're going about it the wrong way. Some people mean, you know, in a, in a you know, maybe aggressive way or, a, you know, just a kind of, some people come up and they're actually controlled and they say, I don't think this is, this is right. And so we immediately say, well, this is what Jesus did. I mean, he's out and uh, preaching the gospel. He's proclaiming that's primarily what we're doing here. Um, but 
you know, to find the root of where that comes from, I really think it's because they're not being taught biblical evangelism, biblical marketplace influence, whether it be evangelism or abortion clinic ministry whatsoever. So from the start of their Christianity till now in their churches, they're being modeled that everything really happens within the culture of the church. Everything happens within the four four walls. And of course, we got to we got to do all that kind of stuff, but not to the neglect of external uh, evangelistic ministry. So they they see that and they're so shocked because they, they never would see any other Christian around them doing that or let alone a pastor saying, hey, look, we need to be out there loving our neighbor and preaching the gospel. So I think it really has to do with what they've been learned, what they've been taught. Right. And so we come alongside and gently as, as best as we can, because I'm just going to be very honest. It's rough when a Christian comes up to you and you I do have the tendency to respond and say, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Let me show you the scriptures. Rescue those who are being delivered to death. Yeah. Hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. So this is what it means to be a Christian. And so I'm trying as, as the time goes goes on and I get older to be a little bit more calm and wise and just say, let me show you through scripture why we do this because it seems to be, uh, it's, it seems to be evident that you don't know. Um, yeah. Right. There's like a large re-educating Absolutely. that's happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially in that area, but in a lot of areas yeah. where people just or the media has obviously publicized for many decades gr- hate groups sure. that classify themselves as right. Christians that so it's hard. The Christian always wants for some reason we got it into our head that a good testimony is that um, we always like exude love and never hate. And right. so we made this like weird line in the sand yeah. Where there's no room for like loving truth. Yeah, confrontation. So you're truth. either right. yeah. you either yeah. go to church on Sunday and you're a nice Christian and you walk in the door and maybe you invite your neighbors to church and that's your evangelism. Right. Or you're Westboro Baptist and right. like God hates the yep. <laughs> you know, and, and so yeah, we yeah. like we, I don't know, we just and well and really it's the preservation of our own testimony. We don't want anyone to think that we're hate-filled yeah right exactly if we look at like the first christians in acts and they were like literally doing like riot evangelism where they would go from town to town they get they get beat up they'd get thrown in jail then they uh praise god and go to the next town right right you know i wonder how they would be received in america (laughs) right right well the message was so like explicit it wasn't like let your testimony be like the gospel isn't don't let people think you're you're bad right it's a specific it's a very specific message right it's not just like don't appear as though you're one of those god haters it's appear as though you're a christ follower exactly like you know i don't know i have an episode request if you could just take us through like so pretend that your audience is the christian coming up to you saying christians don't behave like this like give us take us through those passages like Mm -hmm. right because i want to hear it modeled because um, I mean, I have my response, you mm-hmm. know, but I think maybe I'm a little bit more less patient. With yeah. it. Sure. Well, and I think yeah. that's Good the, idea, I the like sanctification. That there's a lot of sanctification that lies there because yeah. I yeah. mean, even just answering the occasional email, <laughs> it teaches you that yeah. you are going to get right now the way that the, the, the child of our, the, church for the last 30 years or so mm-hmm. has made it so that if you are trying to to uh, line things up with scripture and make sure that what you're doing is biblical means that you're going to ha- you're going to be answering the same questions over and over again. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Well, I think yeah. it's I think it's hateful. Oh, well it's really not hateful because yeah. of x y and z. Right. Exactly well, right. but you're turning people off. Well, actually no, like, you know, it's just a lot of Yeah. I guess it is really a lot of like Re-education. Discipleship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. consistency. Training. And that's what we, I mean, you you explained it so well. We are saying the same answers constantly. Right. And for somebody who, you know, drives by, does a drive-by and pulls up and says, I'm a Christian, you're doing it wrong. I mean, in that short amount of time, it's not sufficient to really teach them. Right. Uh, but for people that experience that, because that can be very disheartening and say, oh, man, a Christian actually told me, told me I'm doing it wrong. And so the people out there on the front lines can get discouraged by that. But... You know, we don't take, we shouldn't take authoritative counsel from people that are not actually doing Amen. that. And that's what, right. yeah, that's what I say. It's okay. How do you rescue babies? 
you know right we would yeah. love for you to come out we'll buy you lunch show that. us how to do it yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah we'll buy you lunch i've said this so many times on on facebook and out at the mill i'd love to learn and then they say i'm not doing it i said well with all due respect, you're 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 playing the armchair quarterback. Here. Right. Yeah. You're actually trying to give me authoritative counsel to do something a certain way when you yourself have no idea right. how to do it. I've never even yeah. learned. Right. Well, and of course the the question there is, oh. like, do you really think that a baby is being murdered? Right. Sure. Exactly. Do you really think yeah. it's worth it to save the baby right. to yes. be out here? Right. Yeah. You do know? you do you think do you really believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? Absolutely, do, yeah. Do you believe that? Do you believe people are headed to hell without Christ? Yeah, right. You know, and so everybody you listening, ask you. yourself that question. Right. It's yeah. important. It right. Like even if you know you have the right answer to it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's and important. that's what's dangerous um, for me is that if if you've grown up in the church and you've grown up in this culture, right. the danger that you can confront is that you have heard the gospel. Exactly. Over and right. over and over and over and over. And it no longer moves you. It right. no longer provokes you. Yep. Mm. Uh, you're, you have believed for 31 years that people are going to heaven or hell. And that nothing about that is shocking anymore. Right. And so it has to be, and I, I believe that and this is a whole other topic that I could talk about too long. Mm-hmm. If you're not in the word, so the the solution is to be in the word. Right. Yeah. PS. Absolutely. Like the solution yeah. is to be in the word. If you're mm-hmm. in the word, if you're a Christian who's in the word, this stuff doesn't get stale. Right. Um, the danger is that you're not in the word and it does. And it totally you are rendered ineffective. Absolutely. If yeah. you are not in the word, if you're I think you're rendered ineffective in every area of your life Amen. as a Christian, yeah. if you're not partaking of the means of grace. And so you're, when starving. I, you're starving. When I say that, I mean, you're not praying, you're not in the word, you're not an active member of a church. So if you're starving yourself of those things, of course, like there's nothing, of course you're bored with all of it. Like, right. of course you are because you're, you're stale, you're starving. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and there it's like, it's a balanced diet. Like in the United States, there are plenty of people who are malnourished, but mm-hmm. are overweight. Like, right. so you can be like fat in mm-hmm. church fellowship, but, but starving if you never in the pray, word or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. or if you're never reading the word, exactly. like that's a, right. that's a problem. Yeah. And I think that malnourishment comes from just focusing, even though there's so many amazing guys out there and we got one with us, yeah. I mean, just one in a billion type of individual um, in the guy's mind. I mean, but you can diet off you know, these so-called heroes of the faith, which they are, and right. neglect your own just intimate right. relationship with the Lord where you're getting into the word yourself. Right. You're kind right. of just trying to learn via somebody else's study. And I yeah. think you can get fat, but would right. not have, mm-hmm. having any type of substantive right. spiritual diet. Well, right. and that's, I think what you just said is part of why we're in a situation that we're in as the American church is what we have is a bunch of Christians who are like, crawling around under the table feeding on table scraps and then the people Mm -hmm. that are sitting at the table having a meal actually in the word you're like oh well they're the ones they're the ones that understand the word and Mm -hmm. and so i'm just going to eat their table scraps but it's like no jesus told us jesus invited us all to his table and prepared a table for you Mm -hmm. and you need to be eating there as well and that's to say nothing of not learning from Obviously, we should be learning from other believers. And um, I I actually despise the culture of there's like a there's a whole group of people who are like celebrity Christians. (laughs) I actually despise that because essentially what it seems to me is that Paul says that you should imitate him as he imitates Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're watching people who are really great at evangelism and you're just like, man, that Desi, I want to be like that at the mill. Like you're, you're wanting to imitate her as she imitates Christ. That doesn't necessarily mean you're partaking in some weird celebrity culture. Right. And it's really a shallow kind of pushback that I find not persuasive at all. Um, And so one of the things, one of the things I've seen is that as Apologia, as you guys have gone out there and you put it online, right? Um, to me, it was very obvious that the reason that we do this live is to encourage other right. believers that's to it. get out there and do it. And that's like, like the goal of our whole show is we just hope to encourage other people to right. go do 
right. what we're all called to do. And, you and hope I, to be out of a job one day, right. out of a podcast yeah, one day. Yeah, like, because you don't have to do it. And so, all right, everyone's evangelizing. Yeah, Bye. I know. <laughs> so, correct me if I'm wrong. What it? I know that that's the thought process, but help us understand why it's important that if you are a believer who is in a position where you can go to evangelism and you're capable of doing it, shouldn't we be showing other believers? Isn't that part of what we do? We build each other up and sharpen each other. And, and that's why you guys do this in front of a camera, right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just part of discipleship, right? It's yeah. just, um, and I would even say like, it, it doesn't have to be just going out to the mills into the public space. Evangelism starts in your home you know, with your children. That's and, I wanted to talk to you guys about. And yeah, and I families think and stuff. a lot of people get that stuck in their mind of like, well, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm full-time mom. I cannot, I do not have time to go out to the mills. I don't have time to go out and do public ministry or whatever your, you know, situation is. Um, but evangelism can start in your home with your That's children, right. with yeah. your parents, with your neighbors. Mm -hmm. It's just telling people the good news of Jesus. It's all wherever it is. You are. Yeah, wherever you are. It's yeah. not... We get this like, and I, I did it too, where I had this, you know, picture of Billy Graham in my head and like, that's an evangelist. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> you know, but I'm like, no, God calls all of us to tell everybody about Jesus. Whoever he puts in our path, like you're going to have somebody in your path that maybe someone like Tony Miano doesn't have in his path. You know, right. it's not for a, just a these super Christians, like a few super Christians in quotes right. to go do that have some special gifting. It's for everybody. That's yeah. what, like, you know, the foundation of our show is, is right. it's quite simple. You know, it's just that. Um, yeah. And so I think what we get a lot, and I, I've gotten this, this verse a lot because I've gone out and of course we do publicize it. We use media as a tool to show people what we're doing so that we could encourage them to do the same thing. That's the primary right. motive. But here's the verse I received, Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Right. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Right? Let's so, answer, answer that objection. Okay, please. so what do you say to that? Well, if you look at the context, and he says it multiple times in Matthew chapter 6, that we're not supposed to do things to garner the praises of men. Right? We don't practice our righteousness because that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees were doing ultimately. They were flaunting their religiosity as a means of getting praise from men. And Jesus even said, you know what, you've received it. If that's what you want, you received it, which is hollow and empty, yeah. the accolades of people. Because, of course, they're praising you one day. The next day you're wearing your hair differently and they hate you. Right. right? So, I mean, it's yep. just an empty, purpose, purposeless pursuit. So that's the context of this right here trying to do what I do so people can praise me. Now that, that is the great test, I think, in our hearts is, are we gonna reflect glory and praise back to Jesus and all that we do? Are we gonna receive that? Because it feels good. It feels good mm. when people praise you and, and write you nice letters, mm -hmm. and, of course. But that's the context. So what we're saying is when we go out and we you know, video what we're doing, to say this nicely, it, sh it shouldn't be that way because the pastors of their own local bodies should be practicing what they preach. They should be bringing them out mm. by the hand and saying, do as I do, let me show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. But because the greater American evangelical church is so deficient, massively deficient evangelistically, it's mm -hmm. up to us to mm -hmm. say, okay, let us now do what you guys aren't doing. Yeah. Without hating on pastors, I hope that I'm not communicating that. Right. But somebody's gotta rise, somebody has to rise up and say, hey, look, this is how you evangelize. Yeah. This is how you say baby. So take, for instance, Apologia. Apologia constantly does this through an abortion now. And now we have 500 churches that have seen us out, seen us out preaching the gospel, modeling how it is. And now they're out saving babies. Right. So the fruit of it is people are, the, the gospel is going out. Right. Babies are being saved yeah. because now they have a workable model that's hopefully yeah. biblically sound. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the objection, I think. And, the I, answer. Yeah. and I mean, what an encouragement too to other pastors who maybe have never seen anything like this take place. Right. And so it's not just, you're right, we're not just ragging on churches. No, the no. point is, is that uh, Apologia had practice and Apologia thought we can, we've, we have now experience this we've been doing this for a while why don't we help other people see how to do this right, and i mean yeah. that has nothing to do with 
wanting to get airtime or plays. It's like, we can teach you how to do this. And at the end of the day, none of us are born being perfect evangelists. We have to have men, like you said, rise up and lead the way Mm -hmm. and show us how to do this well. And so I just think it's so encouraging and it's heartbreaking for me when people are just like nasty about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, Christian, I think we do that easily and it's, it's unloving, right? It's unloving to believe the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think a lot of us are in the habit of doing that, of of just assuming the worst, but it's like, you're right. Look at the fruit, 500 churches, you know, how many babies is that? We don't even know. Yeah. We don't Yeah. And and that's what we do. And I think we all do it in our flesh instead, instead of submit to the commands of God, which evangelistically it's not, it's not comfortable. You have to go outside of your comfort zone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times where I was like, I just want to chill. I don't want to go out. It's hot. I mean, oh, the place super hot, yeah. sucks. I mean, babies are dying. It's 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 difficult. It's easier to stay home. It's easier to stay home and demonize people that are doing it because now you have a justification that you've erected your, for yourself yeah. to where I don't have to go because they're doing it wrong yeah. or they're doing right. it right. for vain glory. Right. Yeah. We, we, we do that. And it's just to get, get out of an uncomfortable kind of uh, practice that we need to be doing yeah and not to like like you said i don't want to like beat up on the bride here but it's really like pastor toby sumter said at reform con it's the the church is the report card or the what is the culture culture Mm -hmm. yeah thank Mm you (laughs) um is the report card of the church and so you see people coming into churches and i've sat through churches like this where you go in and you're comfortable you're never exhorted to be challenged to share your Mm -hmm. faith or a lot of other things and you're just basically told to be comfortable and maybe invite somebody to church every once in a while and you let the you let the pastors do that you let them take and so you pray that they come to church well how many I mean not everybody's going to come to church so that means right all the non-believers that will never step foot into a church are just not going to hear the gospel right and so it's just we've seen it over and over again where people come to the mill or they come out during during um, public evangelism and they're they're really just genuinely confused because they were not taught that that's what evangelism is they were taught evangelism is you invite someone to church you let your pastors do it for you or you invite them to this picnic and sometimes the gospel will be, will be shared and sometimes it won't right it's like a gospel of works it's not a gospel that's mm-hmm. the biblical gospel. So right. that's why it's, we just hope that we can encourage more Christians to be boots on the ground. And, you know, like I said, it doesn't mean you're, everybody's going out to the mill, everybody's going out to public events, but just to be proclaiming the gospel every day and all that we do, you know, it right. should just be like drinking water for a Christian. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. So, right. Yeah. And, and just to reiterate, I, I didn't expect us to talk so much about the eldership and pastors, but sure. You know, Jesus is not cool with a guy that would beat up on his bride just like I, I wouldn't be. Right. Yeah, It'd right. be like, let's go, time. <laughs> yeah, right. And we're not all about that, but it, it, it's just a fact, biblically, that if we are not leading our people, they will never evangelize. If we are not yeah. showing how, them how to do it, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. The sheep will always follow the shepherds. It's not... Right. It's not something, um, it's, not, it's not my opinion. It's not something, again, just to, to wield, to whack a guy on the head, because I'm a pastor myself, and I understand the difficulty right. of the pastor. But I think there was a, there was a we were, I was watching Braveheart the other, like one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Naturally, of course. <laughs> yeah. The other day during my viewing of Braveheart. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you remember, he was talking to Robert the Bruce. Well, if historically, uh-huh. historically, if you go back, Robert the Bruce did do amazing work in, yeah. in Scotland to, mm-hmm. um, you know, gain freedom for Scotland and went through all yep. you know, tons of battles and stuff like that. There I know too much about this because of my dad. Right. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. But a lot of Braveheart, of course, is not historically no. accurate. Oh, right. I know. Yeah, okay, you know that. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You, you, do, you know probably better than I do. But there's a part, I love it. And it, and it just, it, it illustrates so well this. It's like when he was talking to Robert the Bruce and he says, if only you would just lead them. Yeah. Right. Yes. Lead them out so in, into good. the battle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, men follow courage. And that's exactly right. And so as you see across the, you know, the, the, the panoply or the greater American evangelical church, what you notice is a lot of dying churches that are infested with internal disease because it's only about the culture of that church. There is yeah. no external ministry whatsoever. And so the cry in my heart to these men, and not as if I'm the example, man, right. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a broken, broken man in so many ways. 
But if only pastors would just lead them yeah. out into the into the field yeah. with a very simple message consistently. Mm -hmm. I mean, just I'm getting goosebumps here. We will see dramatic yeah, change when you within Braveheart, our nation. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Yeah. It's a great movie. It is. It's yes. No, you're right. So that's our motive. Yeah. It's yeah. never to attack. It's never to undermine. And it's always to stimulate and to encourage and to help. Yeah. Right. And I would say, too, and, and this isn't to like like fish for compliments or you know people be like no we we really like when we're videoing ourselves we're being like look at we can do we're basically like look at we're we're idiots yeah. and we can <laughs> look what you can do <laughs> right. too. like right. look what yeah. you can for, do right it's not for self-glory it's like look at i stutter i mess up i i'll forget the line of scripture or whatever um yeah but god will give you the power and the strength to do it if i can do it you, you can, can do, do it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've always thought is it's yeah. not look what we can do. It's yeah. look what you can do. Right. Like I'm showing you. Exactly. And then I had yeah. a thought this week when um, when Pastor Jeff did his sermon to the governor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't and I'm definitely not trying to be a doomsday apocalypse type person, but I've been really thinking like, OK, what what if we're about to face some seriously difficult stuff yeah. that we've never faced before? What if I'm about to have to give up? a lot mm -hmm. like a lot yeah. more than i ever planned on yeah um here's the deal if the men aren't doing it if the elders aren't doing it if my husband's not doing it i can't do it yeah like that that's kind of the the realization that i've come to and um and and pastor jeff preaching that sermon just knowing like this is really we're being bold here we're yeah. like taking a stance mm -hmm. um I can follow that. Right. You know what I mean? It's like if, if I see the, the elders and the men in the church rising up and doing this thing, even if it's really hard, I can do it. Right. But I can tell you right now, if they're not doing it, I'm going to crumble so You're fast. Exactly right. Yeah. I know I'm going to crumble. Yeah. Um, and that's part. Joy and I, um, I feel like every other week, Joy and I have a discussion about like a new way in which we're so glad we can't be pastors. <laughs> and that, that she knows. There's she just really not knows. even. Yeah. Well, I was saying, I was saying to her, I was like, I was like, if there's anyone that's like one step removed, that's not a pastor's wife or a pastor, it's the two of us. Yeah. And yeah. we still know nothing about yeah. what it takes. I like, know a lot about what it takes <laughs> to be in ministry. Yeah. And I'm, I still, I know I don't right. actually know. Yeah. Right. Um, and so it's just like, it's so true that the, the, the church has to be leading in these ways mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. the people cannot do it. Right. They, and the church is allowed to it. exhort itself without being considered Hateful. like beating it up. Yeah. Like if yeah. you, like even in terms of parenting, like as parents, you're in charge of your kids mm -hmm. and you can be an advocate for solid biblical parenting, but you're not necessarily, you're not, it doesn't inherently mean you're looking over at your neighbors being like, Hmm. Oh, look at these parents. They need yeah. to shape up. <laughs> right. Like everyone is in charge. Like pastors are in charge of their church, yeah. but a pastor is still like your job is to exhort is to have an opinion on this <laughs> on the culture um and a stance on it because we 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 would be disarming churches if we were trying to say uh this pastor can't speak out because it hurts my feelings and my sensibilities yeah right. that's just not how it, yeah. that's just not how it works we should be stirring one another one another up to good works that's right and so right. i think having this these kinds of discussions i don't think our goal is to beat up the bride like you said right yeah. it's to stir up the bride to good works and it's like one of the most loving things you can do for your spouse is to do that mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. so when we're talking well, or your about kids or your like, kids yeah. or to just let your kids run rampant we know that's unloving wrong. yeah we know yeah it's <laughs> it's a hateful thing right. to do right and right. It, when you say when you when you, uh, you know, don't let your kids run wild when you require order in your home, you're not, A, not saying, well, I, I am perfect. <laughs> well, and yeah, and B, you're not saying, well, I hate my neighbor because they don't do it the way I do. Right. Like those, right. those things don't need to all like exist together. Right. They're not inherent. Right. Exactly right. And I think yeah. that's part of like what you see when we're talking about why you think people get so kind of nasty sometimes. A lot of it, I think, may be conviction and guilt because mm -hmm. they're like, I'm not doing not it. Not doing it. Yeah. Their comfort is challenged. Their comfort's challenged and they're like, 
you're doing it. And so it, it, again, it's just like a misunderstanding of what evangelism is. It's not just being out there, but also that a challenge, we need to challenge each other. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you should be sharing the gospel with people. However that looks in your life. Uh, yeah, yeah, you should be. And so and yeah. we should be able to say that. But like I said earlier, too, it's like we've we've all kind of bought in, not all of us, but it's leaked into the church of like, we have to be nice and we ha- we can't hurt anybody's feelings and you can't challenge anybody. And, um, yeah. you know, it's the gospel of nice when, right. of course, we're supposed to be kind and gentle, but that doesn't mean we negate the truth and we don't challenge each other. So, right. And yeah. to your point, I think because most of our listeners, I'm going to bet, we've got like an 80-20 female listenership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we would say, obviously, you're as a, as if you're a woman, or if you're a human, your mission field is not just who's on the street corner. It's mm-hmm. who's in your immediate Sphere, life, right? Yeah. And so something I've been convicted about lately and thinking a lot about is that um, I think I accidentally started to believe that um so i've been homeschooling for two years now and in my head unintentionally i was like okay well this much of the day should be taken up with school and this much of the day should be taken up with play and this much of the day you know and i'm thinking in these categories and i realized that unintentionally i started thinking like okay obviously i want to talk to my kids about spiritual matters every single day I'm going to do it in this time slot. Mm-hmm. And it is important. We do sit down every morning and we're going through Proverbs and we're memorizing scripture and we do that every morning. But it accidentally, I think I bought into this belief that like, it's okay for me to spend 45 minutes talking about how to find the area of a triangle. But like, if I spent 45 minutes talking to them about like a spiritual issue, I was probably overdoing it. Mm. Well, that's where you don't want to take come to the table too far. <laughs> Because it's not just dinner time. Right. That's not the only time that you, that you like, you know, it's a great illustration. I'm not trying to, <laughs> yeah. trying to, uh, right. you know, backtrack on that. Right. But yeah, you want to make sure, like if you're welcoming people to the table, yeah. it's an all day thing. It's yeah. like a feast. It's an all day feast. This is it's where not... we are. This is who we are. This is how we view the world. Like, I think I just, you accidentally start to believe like, oh, I think it would be easy for you. You do your evangelism on whatever Wednesday, Saturday, whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. then the rest of the week isn't evangelism. Right. Like, no, this should be from morning till evening. Mm -hmm. And and it should be a priority. Right. It should take priority over literally everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I, I accidentally fell into that faulty thinking of, oh, I shouldn't have spent like so much time talking to this kid about this character thing Mm. when we should have finished math Mm. and then I like Uh. realized that I thought that and I was like wait that's very unconsciously I did something very backwards Mm -hmm. and so I think um to your point evangelism we don't and you guys don't want to make it sound like evangelism is one flattened category it is something we should be speaking of and you know the law should be God's law should be on our hearts and and this should be something that that colors everything that we do. Right. We're meditating on it day and night and it just flows. You know, it's not, I think we can get to where we like schedule it too, which I've done where it's like, like you said, okay, Monday, Wednesday, that's it, checklist. And I've I've also been like, oh, well, my husband is evangelist, so he's going to do all that. Right. You know, so Uh that I get off the hook, which... I think there's a balance there of like we work together, you of know, what I'm taking care of the kids and he'll go out. And I think there's beauty in that, too. But, you know, when gospel questions come up for right. my kids, I'm not going to just be like, well, go ask your dad every time. Yeah. There are going to be times right. I am going to have them go to their dad. But um, God has made me their mom for a reason. And so I'm going to talk to them uh, about the gospel, too. Right. So. Yeah. Right. And I think just with basic sanctification for people, there are certain spiritual practices that are kind of like like pistons in an engine that have to be going continually. You know, you got like in Acts chapter two, it talks about it, prayer, fellowship, you know, adhering to the apostles teachings. So, of course, you know, learning mm-hmm. from the word of God. Um, and then I think another piston is evangelism. Right. Mm-hmm. So these if these things are not going constantly, 
then you know kind of like a car our evangelism won't move forward into maturity yeah right. but i think what we're learning especially in the broader american evangelical church and i know i said that a billion times but is that evangelism is event oriented mm -hmm. rather than process oriented mm -hmm. so we don't just read the bible once and say okay i'm i'm, I'm good for the rest of the week you right know, you have to keep it or yeah. praying it so it's a daily process oriented practice that I'm doing that mm -hmm. if I don't do it, of course, it's going to, it's, right. it's going to harm me spiritually or it's going to stump me spiritually. So I think for, for me, when it comes to training the kids, I'm not a compartmentalization type of guy. So some people, they can do it and I don't know how they do it, but it's just the way people are wired. I'm going to compartmentalize my day into like 15 minute segments mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. hour segments. And then this is going to be the segment where I disciple and I, and I train <laughs> right. in evangelism or whatever it may be. Right. But I really think, and I don't, I think Ravi Zacharias said this, it, it's more like a weave, mm -hmm. you know, where we're weaving all of these things together. Mm -hmm. So if I'm spending quality time with my kids, it's not only you know, doing something like going to the movies, but now we're going to sp spend quality time together in discipleship at the mill. Mm -hmm. So now I'm weaving all of these duties that I have to uh, towards my kids, these things I need to do in relation to my kids, as far as train them, I'm weaving them together in one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to the mill. And so I think as we've been about doing that, Jess and I, for our lives, what you get is you get like what you experience. Mm -hmm. Oh, going to the mill. Okay. There's no nerves there. It, it, dad's there he's my protector he's shown me how to do it he's taught me how to do it and we have fun doing it as much as we can you know yeah the yeah. mill is a little bit different the mill is different than is, yeah but, what i'm talking you know out yeah. at the yeah. sporting events it's 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 something that they love to do yeah you know uh reese and jude they just love it you know yeah. and of course kids have different personality of types course. too to yeah. where some are more introverted than mm -hmm. extroverted and that plays out in the way that they're trained and doesn't necessarily reflect a lack of ambition it's just i think has to do with their personality so i don't want to get yeah too far off into the weeds but i think for me and like you're saying it's just a continual loving relationship yeah. with your kids that you're incorporating all of these things as, as far as training and evangelism yeah and, yeah and you start to see the fruit and like the little things too of like the other night we we're going through the drive-through after um, church and we we're about to pull off and liam's like hey dad you forgot the track He's oh yeah, his my dad kids do remind me of the tracks, <laughs> and I if with they do. Yeah, it's, it's great, and they love it. Yeah, and they're good at it, and they're capable to be a part of it. Right, and and my, they're watching. They're you know? watching, and yeah. they they think of places. They'll think of places for me. Of like, oh, you could stick the track here. Like, if there's yeah. no one to give it to, like we, um, they'll yell at me if I leave a gas pump. Yeah. without putting a, a yeah. track there, yeah. and I didn't have to teach them that. I didn't. Yeah, teach and them it's that. Look at, and they're bold too. But it's they, like if you do that. I mean, my kids, and like you're just yeah. saying, they're way more bolder than I am, right. or mm -hmm. way may, way more than I was at that age. Sure. So it right. just instills such a level of boldness in them. Oh that yeah. Maybe you didn't experience, and you know, it's very mm -hmm. necessary. Especially if you didn't grow up in a church like me, you know. Right. And like you were saying, like I didn't, I didn't teach them that. Well, you did, even though you didn't. Right. right. But, like, but you didn't, like you said, you didn't put a time. Okay, I'm gonna talk about. Yeah. Uh, now I'm gonna show you how to leave a track. No, like you can top ten ways, <laughs> to, top ten places to leave a track. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> they watched and then they they learned. And right. my dad was the same way. People have asked me. It's very awkward, and we have to ask our fun question. I'm watching the time. Mm -hmm. oh. Uh, people will ask me sometimes, well, what was what was your family worship time looking mm -hmm. like growing up? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, let me give you some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> it started when we woke up and it never ended. Right? Yeah, you know, awesome. it's yeah. like we never my dad never sat. A, it wasn't like at 7 p.m. And there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. So let me be very clear. I right. think you should do family worship. And I'm not saying no. Right. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that we didn't grow up with a robust faith because we went through a lot of books or a lot of catechism questions. We mm -hmm. grew up with a robust faith because my dad took us out with him. Mm -hmm. We were wow. there at That's his awesome. yeah. debates and we were there. I learned how to talk to Mormons because I listened to my dad while he was doing it. Wow. It wasn't a class. It wasn't a book. It was that he was doing it and I was there. Exactly. And so somebody's got a thug life. This. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's important to yeah. to to note that. And I think um, I definitely don't want to be seen as like saddling extra work on parents. But this there is work that you should be doing. And the best way that you can teach your kids is bring them with you right. and not underestimate what they're doing. Because 
I sat in the back of a lot of seminary classes, super bored because my dad didn't have a babysitter. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That 10% that I caught, like it did something, Stick. you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So just do that and don't lose hope. And what's your fun That's question? Because I'm well, excited. Well, first I was, gonna, I was going to, um, just for our listeners, sort of give a little bit more of a peek into... Zach and Desi. Oh, it's really which fun. Which is that... It's really fun. Well, so before the fun question, I'm just going to say that Zach and Desi are brother and sister. Oh, did we not say that? Whoops. Maybe we didn't. Brother just, and yeah. sister. Just in case you're wondering why one of our pastors is doing a podcast yeah. with, with another. a leather lady yeah. <laughs> that's not his wife. It's his sister. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so they're brother and sister. I just wanted to clarify that. Thank you. They have a very... So obviously... It's unique, really adorable. I really think it we're lacking in brother sister podcasts mm-hmm. just saying sweet yeah you guys are gonna um, make it make it a thing yeah, yeah they have literally known each other their entire Tire lives, lives. Mm-hmm. um so yeah it's true okay my fun question is this what is your favorite sandwich now mm. it may be a specific sandwich from a specific place like i like the blank at blank place in Gilbert, Arizona. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it may be, I just like it when it's this kind of bread with right. this kind of fillings. Yeah. Mm. And it, Desi is pregnant. So that's I'm like, what I my was... mouth's drooling already <laughs> thinking yeah. about it. So whatever she names is what she's going to go eat after this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I could. There's actually a place in San Diego. I don't even know if it's still open. It's called BMH Italian. Okay. And they make this like amazing i don't even know what's in it it's like a sub sandwich but Mm. it's like cheese and meat and avocado and Mm. they have like a special sauce and it's just packed and it's so just amazing what kind of bread is it it's like homemade bread Mm. like uh like a white bread yeah it's a white bread it's not sourdough uh it's just like a white bread on like a brisket yeah like you know like a sub sandwich but Uh it's like like a a long roll yeah and it's heated which i'm not usually it like if if i'm gonna make a sandwich i like like avocado i'm more of like a meat avocado onions lettuce yeah um i like cold sandwiches but Mm -hmm. this is like something else the best what was it called it was called like um oh shoot i can't remember but it was it's the best sandwich i've ever had someone out there some another san someone diego, in san diego. Yeah. somebody in la mesa it's bmh <laughs> yeah. italian it's the best someone's like i know what she's talking about yeah i'm eating it right now <laughs> <laughs> so good zach doesn't like tomatoes so okay oh yeah. neither does my husband you don't? Oh, I hate them. Freaks. No, just kidding. Yeah, just the texture I hate things. them, dude. Yeah, Never. Yeah, do. Tuna sandwich. What? No. I'm, I'm Wait, old. how do you like your... Yeah, tell us. Tuna. Mayo. Weird, a little bit. Do you like, like, sweet? Because some people like apples in their tuna okay, so salad. Okay, so I hate, I hate relish yeah. or okay. any type of sweet pickle. Okay. Yuck. But um, in That's tuna, the only pickle I'll, I'll take tuna and I drain that excess nasty water out of it. Okay, yeah. And then I put a little bit of mayonnaise and then I put relish and okay. mustard in ah, it and hot okay. sauce. Okay. And what kind of bread? Particular Does it matter? Bread? Well, it's got to be gluten-free because my body don't like. Yeah, your body 40, don't like that gluten. Yeah, I don't. don't <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah. yeah, so that's my go-to. I can eat tuna sandwiches every single day. So. That is so funny. Mm. What about you guys? Oh, easy. Um, and it's Joy. Joy introduced me to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for her. But there's this little place called Worth Takeaway. Yeah, Worth Takeaway, Mesa, over Arizona. Mesa. Don't they like win awards every year? And they're like, they a, do. They're yeah. a little hole in they're the wall. They're a tiny little place. Mm-hmm. Um, the next time we go to the Mormon Temple, I will take you guys. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Um, and they have a crispy chicken sandwich, and it's like got like a honey sriracha around it and like it gives me chills thinking about <laughs> they have it. amazing sweet and spicy homemade pickles there oh too. so house made pickles um lettuce and then the honey sriracha and mayo and it's on this ciabatta roll and i, I do make it for matthew sometimes Oof. it's so it's stupid <laughs> <laughs> actually my favorite sandwich is from there too oh which one the last time actually i realized the last time i answered this question i was vegetarian Yes, so you were. I have a different That's answer right. now. That's right. What uh, is mine it? is the Cuban. The Cuban at Worth Takeaway. Okay, well I'm gonna have also to try. Very good. I don't know if I could go to Worth and not get my favorite sandwich, right. so I might never have that. You will once you've had Worth Takeaway. Yeah. You will want to order 
all the different sandwiches to try them. But you can't. But you will just mm. order your favorite because sandwich. Because you've had your favorite sandwich <laughs> and it ruins you. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. Great. That's like this one. I text on what it was and it's called the Bada Bing. It is like okay. Bada Bing. If you're ever in San Diego, so get that sandwich. Bada Bing. So Bada good. Bing. Yeah. I think I did try like some other like BLT or something one time and I just it ruined my day because I'm like <laughs> you're like well it's not the bada bing why, did, my why didn't I get it I just kept thinking about the bada bing the rest of the day like I ruined my chances today that's so yeah. funny <laughs> okay I hate when people ask me to do this and I'm about to do it to you Uh-oh. but tell people how they can find your podcast because that's necessary yeah so we got a Facebook page provoked you mm-hmm. just search provoked and then you go to Apologia Studios and we're right there. Subscribe. Are you guys, you have your own stream, right? I think I subscribe to it. Yeah, we're on Apple t- uh, Podcasts. Yeah, and we're that's on right. Google Podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so subscribe to Provoked mm-hmm. on Apple. Are you on Spotify yet? No, not yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotta, okay. You got to do something about that. For some, for some reason, y'all crazies out there be listening to Spotify podcasts. That's <laughs> like a thing, and it makes me really upset. I'm going <laughs> to stop saying that out loud. <laughs> All right. That is, thank you guys. No, thank, thank you, you yeah, for having for, us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, awesome. I was wish we could keep going. I think that we could, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. The way that I was feeling, I was like, I have twelve questions from <laughs> yeah. what you just said, <laughs> and I had crazy eyes. But we gotta go. <laughs> so thank you so much. What? Joy has never seen Braveheart. What? Oh. Joy has Why? never seen. I try to keep it quiet. Matthew. <gasps> okay. Because <laughs> okay. people do that. Okay. What's the reason? You, wait, 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 wait. They go. didn't hear that. They didn't hear that. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Joy has never seen Braveheart. I have not. Joy? It's just, I think we all have a classic movie that we just like. No, you're only allowed to get one. And yours is The Apostle. No, The Apostle is not a classic movie. (laughs) Have you seen The Apostle? No. That's a whole other story. It is not a classic though. I've never seen that either. Not a classic like Braveheart is. Okay. But I feel like we all have... I, it's not that I don't want to watch it. We're I just watching never it. We're watched watching it. it. I want to watch you. We're watch watching it. it. <laughs> I, wa- I watched Preston watch it for a couple nights ago, yeah. and he was just like, oh. "You have it was just life changing." <laughs> all right, Matthew, you and I offline will plan the night that we all watch Got Braveheart. You. Braveheart night, and then tell us what you think. Can you video okay. it, please? Yeah, I, Thank you. I, I know. It's, Thank I you. know that it is a great. Like people say, it's a great movie. Um, obviously, like it's it stands the test of time. Zach watches it quarterly in his home. <laughs> At least. Oh, I thought it, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was every Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> Braveheart night. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank, thank you guys you. for thank listening. For and we will see you next week. See if ya. My music will play. Oh, oh doing it. Oh, it's is this from Braveheart? <laughs> yeah, it's been the I best figured. soundtrack in in history. <laughs> in it's history. a little depressing. Hold on, I'm gonna fast forward it. Don't you feel sad? I, I it. know it's some parts of it are sad. I know that. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> okay, it's, everybody. It's oh, here we go. Shh, listen to it and cry. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>